Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Ettini, and this is The Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode. And today we are going to meet an innovator, a change maker who is doing wonders here, transforming lives and enhancing productivity of a small scale farmer. I'm so pleased to have Giel Oliver, the CEO of Hello Tractor. Thank you, Giel, for being here. Thank you, Samuel. It's good to be here. I hope I pronounced properly and, and I'm so happy having you, uh, such an innovator and a change maker who is doing a lot. Before digging deeper in the problem and your solution, I'm sure the people listening to us, they want a bit to understand your journey, your wonderful background as an innovator. So I started my career in finance. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio in the U.S., not quite an agricultural place. But I started in finance because I quickly realized in college the power of finance to unlock opportunities for people. And so that, that's what led me to working in investment banking, which then led to wanting to do work that was more meaningful. So I started doing work in microfinance and eventually quit my job in investment banking altogether to work in microfinance. And that was also my introduction into the emerging markets and working in Africa and South Asia. And I love the work, but I thought, uh, I observed that microfinance institutions uh, don't do a good job of supporting farming. Um, they're focused in urban areas, they're focused on the global poor, but they're not financing the one activity that most people in the, who make up the global poor earn their income, which is farming. And so that's what led me to, to explore in agriculture and, and ultimately Hello Tracker. It's really, a constant, I might say, that people, some other guests started in the finance and they, they saw the power of finance to unlock and making transformation, especially at the grassroots level. I want to ask a bit the big problem that you are trying to solve. Now you are in Nairobi, you have won accolades and awards for your work. And which was the problem and the barriers, especially that you have seen in the agricultural sector, especially for small scale farmers? In Africa. The big challenge that we want to solve is the productivity gap. When you look at what farmers produce in Africa and, and most of the, the developing world, their productivity levels are far below the levels of more mature agricultural markets like Brazil, Argentina, the U.S., uh, select European markets. Uh, and so a big part of that productivity gap is a lack of labor and equipment. Some say up to 50% of the yield gap is because our farmers don't have access to equipment. And so the problem that we're solving with Hello Tractor is innovating around the traditional ownership model of farm equipment, which does not make sense for a small farmer who's low income, and rather introducing a model where farmers can pay for services when they need it, the services are reliable, they come on time, and they're affordable to close that productivity gap that I mentioned. That was the thesis behind Hello Tractor. And what is the story? I mean, when, you know, when did you start it? And I've seen also you have gone through phases. And how does it work? How, how I can get a tractor? <laughs> 
we started the business, I was a consultant. I was going after a project that was a mechanization project. I saw an opportunity to build a business around a concept that I initially thought would fit well with a your typical kind of development donor funded project. But I thought, wow, why leave this idea with someone or a group of people who ultimately when the grant is over, the idea will die. Uh, I thought this is an opportunity to actually build a business that can sustain itself, scale, and really address the depths of this challenge and that's what caused me to launch Hello Tracker. I was I was doing this work in the Philippines at the time at an ag agricultural research institute there, and uh, just decided to to keep the idea for myself and build it into a business. And that's what we did over the last eight years. How the platform works: we sell fleet management technology to farm equipment owners, so they can remotely monitor and manage all aspects of their fleet by embedding one of our GPS monitoring devices going to the tractor to reduce fraud, equipment misuse, underreporting of work, fuel theft, all the challenges that farm equipment owners are confronted with. We were the first to market with a solution to help them address those challenges in the emerging markets, which is, you know, typically lower horsepower tractors used. Uh, and then we had a marketplace that we built where with a separate application, community-based agents can organize farmers into groups and book on behalf of the farmer for services. And so this community-based agent may see a hundred one-acre farmers in the same vicinity who need the same service around the same time. This person will book that service. The booking would get routed to the nearest tractor that's available that has the right equipment to service the job. And when the job is completed, the farmers pay for the service and a small commission is paid by the tractor owner to the booking agent who organized this work for them. That's the overall journey. We've been innovating around that user journey over a number of years and a, and a number of iterations, and we'll continue to refine that user journey to make it as frictionless and efficient as possible. It's very interesting. So you have a double stream of revenue. So the owners, but also for the owner to monitor the let's say a more classic approach, but also I really like the way you are really giving the owner also the possibility to use and share the, let's say a sharing economy for heavy equipment like tractors, which the small scale farmer, even which I see also in my daily work, are still, let's say they, they don't have the power of the economic force to buy and will not even make any sense for somebody with one acre or two. <laughs> and usually the best part is when you see this journey and this idea on the ground and really transforming lives. I'm sure within the years, you have seen many impact stories and things that have touched you. Can you share a bit something that really uh, from your journey that really touched you and see, see the power of the idea that you just had when you were, you know, a researcher? Well, most recently we launched a tractor finance program where some of these booking agents who live in these communities and organize farmers and book on their behalf, because farmers don't typically whip out their smartphone to book tractors or really anything for that matter. Some of these booking agents who, who perform this service in their community of organizing the demand have so many farmers in their network that they themselves can become tractor owners. And so the insight that we had was let's build a financing product to support these booking agents 
who have 500, some 1,000 plus farmers in their network so that they can become tractor owners and service that demand themselves. So some of the use cases that, that I get really excited about that are just truly inspiring are some of the first borrowers that have come out of that program who went from earning, you know, if they're lucky, a few hundred dollars a month to now owning a tractor that is worth $30,000, $40,000 and can generate enough income to not only change their lives and their family lives, but truly break that cycle of poverty and generate the kind of income that can transform generations. And they're earning that income while delivering a service that's also high impact to the farmers in their community. And I think that's just a, a beautiful story of how impact and commercial objectives can intersect for the benefit of, of all involved. And we have a number of those borrowers. Some are young people who are really ambitious. Some are, you know, 50, 60 year olds who have deep, long-standing relationships with farmers in their community. And they've used those relationships to bring additional value while unlocking now an opportunity to own a piece of equipment that was otherwise outside of their grasp as, as traditionally unbanked individuals, right? That is just so exciting to me. And it really it inspires us and our entire team to continue to push to further support the marketing and grow that credit program. It's really amazing. And I can see, knowing the content, you can visualize really the transformational journey that can unlock such a program. And what's beautiful about it is the team has worked so incredibly hard to build something that can sustain and scale, right? So it's one thing to say, hey, I am going to gift you a tractor, take it. And that's, that's beautiful in and of itself, right? However, there are limitations on how many tractors you can give, because if you can't figure out a way to build a commercial, commercially sustainable model, you'll exhaust your funding. In this model, we give somebody a tractor based on not their financial profile, not their bank history, not how much cash they have in the bank, because ironically enough, people who have cash are probably the least likely to take advantage of the opportunity to own a tractor. But you can't just pass out tractors like candy. You need to pass out tractors to people who are going to take full advantage of the opportunity. And so the folks on our platform who have been busting their butt, organizing farmers for many, many seasons and have proven themselves to be great entrepreneurs, we're rewarding that effort with this opportunity now to become a tractor owner. And as they go out and service the demand that they already have in their network, we track their performance against plan very closely. And we collect a small amount of repayment based on how much work was performed that week. And we collect weekly. You may owe us $200, for example. And that, that money then gets recycled back to finance more tractors. And so by the end of this year, you know, we initially thought we would do a million dollars worth of tractors to test this product. We did a million dollars in the first quarter. This quarter we'll be doing $3 million of additional loans. By the end of the year, we hope to be at $15 million. And that's incredible just to be able to shift the lending uh, to these rural communities, these traditionally unbanked communities, I think is a great story. That, that hopefully can not just keep us inspired as a team, but can have some spillover benefits to the broader market because banks 
and most most of the financial sector is ignoring these communities, and I think they're ignoring a real opportunity. And it's really the doing business at the bottom of the pyramid. And what you just said, it's solving what many donor-funded grant projects, the problem of ownership. When somebody is, as you said, working hard and doing things, you know, that is where you can get the reward. Before maybe we go to the more discussion about you, an expert, and also your other roles as an expert of business in emerging market, I want to ask, what is the way forward now? What is boiling in the low tractor? Which are the other exciting things that you are thinking? Are you going to full scale in the whole continent? Where do you want to go? Absolutely. We want to meet demand at every corner of this continent to unlock productivity and do it in a climate smart and sustainable way. The next wave of innovations that we'll be rolling out this year as we continue to grow our tractor finance product we're, we're also launching a training program uh, for anybody who works in agriculture. You'll be very familiar with the difficulties in keeping tractors well-maintained, making sure you have trained operators who know how to deliver services, agricultural services that are yield improving. And so because there was a lack of, of training in the market, we, we're launching this month a training program where we are recruiting diesel mechanics to join our operator training program, pay them an above market salary, and they themselves will be trained operators who are very comfortable and familiar with the proper operation of a tractor. They'll be trained on how to book farmers so they themselves can earn additional commission-based revenue on top of their salary by organizing farmers. And they can graduate to be tractor owners themselves if they reach that threshold. And lastly, because they come from diesel engine training, they also will be able to fix tractors should they break down. And we're creating the, the tools to have these networks of roving technicians who are driving these tractors delivering these services to farmers to make sure the farmers are benefiting, tractor downtime is minimized, and machines are protected, and they'll have a clear pathway to grow beyond just being operator mechanics. They can grow to become tractor owners themselves and grow their own small fleet. We're really excited about that, and our plan is to train 3,000 of these young people over the next three years. It's really important because you are solving holistically the problem of the community. You're really going where the issues and the real issues are. I can see the very the social way. In a nutshell, so it's really good. And then what is your regional planning? Do you, do you want to expand in which areas? We also have to be mindful of limited resourcing. So we can't be everywhere, obviously. We have offices in uh, Nigeria and in Kenya, but we have customers across 14 countries in Africa. We're also in Bangladesh and Pakistan in Asia. We're in Guatemala and Jamaica in the Americas. We'll continue to grow, but opportunistically so, uh, because we can't afford to have offices in every country. We have to keep our expenses down. And I also think that's a big difference between how we operate as a small company and how maybe a donor-funded program would operate, right? We're going to make this work or die trying, right? When the pandemic hit, for example, we almost went out of business, right? A lot of our supply chain was disrupted. We couldn't get products in the country to sell. Our tractors couldn't move. So we couldn't earn marketplace revenues either. 
And we also had the dual mandate of also wanting to continue to overinvest in these markets to make sure there was food system continuity when these economies shut down and everybody went into lockdown. And so we were spending money that we quite literally didn't have. And the leadership of Hello Tractor all went to zero salary and they stayed that way for over a year. The middle management went to 50% salary. We didn't touch entry level and lower level employees because we just didn't feel that was that was necessary and it would be difficult for, for them to, to adjust to that. And we didn't have any turnover. We had a move. And that speaks to the commitment of the team, their dedication to solving these problems and their willingness to sacrifice to make sure we're successful because our success means that the market is successful. And it's bigger than just earning a salary. And I just, you know, you don't see that in that kind of commitment. It's just very rare in the public or private sector. And, um, but it's, it's a testament to the team that we have. And I'm real proud of them. It's sure that you walk the talk and you're really an example on how to build a purpose-led business. A business, I, I really like what you discuss and see, I can see how you are profiting from solving real problem rather than the old paradigm, which we have discussed, you know, the extractive paradigm. And this is how, you know, also innovation and innovators like you uh, they are transforming lives and impacting people. It's really interesting for me. I want to dig a bit deeper, you know, a bit on the expanding. I know you have a wonderful and impressive bio. You are an expert also on doing business in Africa. During the, the Obama administration, I know you've been in the committee advising him on doing business in Africa. And I really, I really want to ask uh, as, as an expert, as a recognized expert on the area, how we can foster innovation and technology for a sustainable and circular economy in the emerging market? How we can put this model, the one we discussed, you know, making profit, solving problem, not extracting, expanding at scale in Africa in the emerging markets? Well, I mean, it's a big question. I think you have to take an ecosystem approach. And I, I don't profess to be an expert, but I will say, taking an ecosystem approach is a way to de-risk on the outcome of building an innovation-led economy with these circular elements that are more sustainable, both socially, environmentally, and financially. And that ecosystem includes educational institutions that are training young people on the foundational elements to be productive contributors in an innovation labor market. It includes capital. You need investors from early stage investors, uh, angels, VCs, all the way to commercial banks, uh, private equity, and, and larger kind of commercial investments to support these innovators as they grow their businesses and become more and more mature. Uh, those robust capital markets need to be in place for entrepreneurs along that journey. And then you need policy environments that are also conducive to innovation. Um, while protecting the interests of the populace. Those pieces are, are really important. And double-clicking on the government's role. You know, a lot of innovation actually comes out of government. If you look at these economies that are thought to be highly innovative, they invest a lot in technology and there are mechanisms to transfer the innovations that come out of government to the private sector so they can grow further. And I think those components are also beneficial in an innovation economy, wherever it might be. And you are part of it, and then you are doing it, also doing working the talk and, and really putting also on the ground. And I really like the last point because sometimes we say, you know, the government should keep off, but actually 
it can be a de-risking factor for many of the innovators and the technology before going to market. Absolutely. Where I'm from in the U.S., we have this fictitious image of an entrepreneur that pulls herself or himself up with their own bootstraps. It's just simply not true. I can't think of one example of when that happened. There really is a coalition of actors that create the kind of outsized success that we see in these mature economies. Now, the Jeff Bezos of the world, the Elon Musks and Bill Gates of the world, they get all the credit, right? But fundamentally, behind all that innovation was a ton of government support, a ton of research that came out of university, a ton of investment that brought those individuals to their innovations to light, to market. Um, nobody does it on their own. And I think our entrepreneurs are well-equipped. I mean, when I say ours, I mean ours in the region are well-equipped to take advantage because they're already doing it and they don't have any support right now. And so imagine what happens when you start to put these ecosystems in place. You'll see an acceleration of innovation. It's really crucial how, and I think that is the challenge, fostering and accelerating innovation, especially in our area where we live. Absolutely. And I'm very positive, I feel, with people like you here in Kenya, pushing and giving examples and really fostering ecosystem like this and bringing collaboration. I feel the future for us is bright. But let me give credit to my team because my role on the team is to supplement for the bright young people that we have on our team and we hire exclusively from the market. We don't have a bunch of experts or expats running around pretending to be experts on some of these topics. We hire from Kenya, we hire from Nigeria, and the innovation that we've been able to pioneer is reflected from that local market insight that you get when you hire locally. And so the credit goes to them. My job is to look at gaps that exist whether it be from funding or from a lack of the educational environment where there are gaps or government policies where there are gaps and trying to supplement that as best as you can as the head of a, a small company to position these young people for success as they hack away at this massive problem, right? But, but the credit goes to them because they're the ones that are birthing these innovations. My job is just to make sure that they're well positioned to put that brilliance on display. And I think you see that you are an example of servant leader, we might say. That's exactly, you know, you are fostering talents and people also from marginalized areas and really to show and put themselves at the concert and serving their country. It's really something that more and more companies should do. I think this conversation has been wonderful. I really would like to even stay more, but I'm sure the people, uh, that are listening to us, they're very happy and they've learned a lot. And I'm sure they want to, to get from you your last message, your last call for action. I think we have a variety of touch points at Hello Tractor where people can become involved and support the work that we do. People who are interested in getting involved in agriculture, maybe become booking agents and graduate to become tractor owners, then to go to hellotractor.com slash financing. Uh, for entrepreneurs who are interested in just learning more about the journey that I've been on, and maybe I can just share more or less what not to do, um, <laughs> they can connect with me over LinkedIn, which I, I believe is how you and I connected. So, well, uh, and then um, lastly, 
we're always looking for partners to expand, particularly our, our tractor finance work. So if there's an interest in, in participating there and investing in tractors to get more of this equipment out, that also is what supports our training program. You know, the profits are all plowed back into the work that we do to train operators and maintenance providers and creating this, this real ecosystem to holistically support the growers that are being serviced. Um, I would encourage people to also reach out for those partnership opportunities as well. Thank you so much, GL. It's been a, a wonderful episode and I'm sure also me, I am, I'm having ideas now when you are discussing because we can see a lot of synergy and work with good businesses and business with purpose like you. So thank you so much. It has been a great, great honor. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.